Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Grace that is greater than my sin. Keep that in mind as we go through this morning's message. Grace that is greater than my sin. Do you think you would know the greatness of our Lord, of His grace, if you didn't have any sin? I want you to think about that for just a moment because each and every one of us have walked in that day where we did not know our sin. Oh, people knew that they did things wrong. They knew that they knew the difference between good and evil, didn't they? We knew the difference between good and evil, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. But did we know? Did we experience the greatness of our Lord's grace towards us. Are you with me? In Romans chapter 6, I want to look at one verse for just a moment. Mark your spot here in Romans because we'll end up back here towards the end of the message. But look at verse 17. Romans chapter 6 at verse 17, we read these words inspired by the Holy Spirit for Paul to write, but God, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now be sure you don't miss that little word that we read there at the very first, that word but. That word but, but what? But all of that stuff that Peter had, or that Paul had just written uh, in chapter 6. But all that, even though all of that, but God be thanked. Our text opens with it and it refers us back to what Paul had just told us about all that we have experienced in God's saving grace, all that we confess to be as far as believers' baptism. As far as Christ's accomplishments for us in redemption, as far as God the Holy Ghost in what He has provided for us by His grace and regeneration, and the blessed assurance that God has given to every sinner who trusts His dear Son, that sin shall never have dominion over us again. Paul brings out how we're redeemed. We're redeemed by the blood of Christ. Not by the works of men, but by the blood of Christ. He brings out that we've been saved by the grace of God. He brings out that we are dead indeed to sin. He brings out that now we are alive and that we live unto God and that Christ is our life. We live in Him. But, all those wonderful things that Paul had just brought out about the saved sinner, all the wonderful blessings that you and I have experienced as those who have been saved from the sin that we walk in. You notice it said walk. Because we still have sin in this flesh. But even the sin that's in this flesh, if we belong to God, has been paid by our Savior. When He went to that cross, He paid it all. Oh, for the wonderful grace of our Lord to give Himself perfectly as our substitute. After Paul brings all that out, he says, but God be thanked. God be thanked. 
that ye were the servants of sin. Oh, what a great reason saved sinners have to give thanks to our God and live in His glory. But God, but God be thanked that we were servants of sin. Every saved sinner has great reasons to give thanks for God for His infinite wisdom, for His matchless grace, for saving us precisely as He has from sin. Robert Hawker wrote this in commenting on the verses that we just read. He says, For myself, if I know anything of my own heart, I hope that I can truly say I hate sin. For the world, or no, I'm sorry, that I hate sin, that I would not willingly nor willfully commit a single sin for the world. Yea, I loathe myself, writes Robert Hawker, in my own sight for sin, the sin of my poor fallen nature, and sin becomes more and more bitter to me as I grow older, as Christ becomes more precious. But with all this I say, I would rather be, listen to the words, because this is what Paul is saying to us in those very verses. I would rather be a sinner saved and saved in such a way as I am saved by the blood and the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ than to have never known, to have never known what true sin is. This is what Paul is telling the Romans here. I thank God, but God be thanked that ye were servants of sin. I'm thankful that the Lord has taken me and shown me what I was. If He hadn't shown me that I was blind, I'd still be blind. If He hadn't shown me that I was full of sin from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I wouldn't know the grace of God, the wonderful grace of Jesus. Now, you and I, and those who may be online hearing this, they may, those of you who have been saved by God, who see His grace as wondrous as it is, who have experienced the wonderness, the wonderfulness of His grace in saving you from your sin, you know that Paul's not suggesting here it's okay to sin. You know that he's not thanking God because I sinned. He's thanking God for showing him his sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there was all, every one of us, at one time or another, walked this earth thinking that we were okay. We were that guy who stood up in the church and said, I'm not like those people. I do this. I do that. Look at all the stuff. Oh yeah, I know I did a little bit of that over there. But I did this. That covers that. God's children see themselves as that beggar on the side of the building over pounding against his chest. Yeah, I'm a sinner. But I'm a sinner saved by grace. (laughs) There's our joy. We were talking about this in uh, Bible study this morning. uh, 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Grow. You know, I just want to make sure I want to read that right. So let me just print over there. You don't have to. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before you know who the Lord Jesus Christ is and the greatness of His mercy and grace to you, you've got to know what you are. You've got to be brought down to what you are. Folks, we are sin. 
plain and simple. We come into this world sin. We come from our mother's wombs speaking lies. I know. And if you're a child of God, you know too. If you're hearing this Word for the first time and the Lord is convicting your heart, showing you that you are, God bless you that He may reveal unto you His Son, our Savior, our Substitute. Paul thanks God that we were once the servants of sin, but are now in the obedience to Christ. He thanks God that we were once lost and now are saved. That we were once unregenerate, but now we've been regenerated by the grace of God. That we were once dead in trespasses and sins, but now we live, we are alive in Christ Jesus. Some may ask, are you saying that the Apostle Paul would thank God that we were once in drudgery, in the drudgery of Satan, and doing his words? That's exactly what he's saying. If I hadn't have known where I was, I'd still be blind to the things that He's shown me now. When you sing that song, The Wondrous Grace of Jesus, does it mean something to you? Is it, is it just the tune that is good? Oh, it's a nice tune. You know, there's a lot of rock and roll songs that I really like the tune to, but I couldn't tell you a single word. I can tell you the words to that song. What about the song Amazing Grace? Does it mean something to you? If you're a child of God, it does. I remember I remember when I first started singing that song for the first time with the heart of God. I couldn't get through it. I didn't know what was going on, but I couldn't get through the song. It wasn't that the song made me sad, it made me just blessed. Blessed to tears. Can I say that? Can I call it, can I call it that? Blessed to tears? That God would have mercy on me. One who deserves nothing but His wrath. And I wouldn't have seen that blessing if I didn't see my sin first. So yeah, like Paul. But God be thanked. God be thanked. Don Fortner wrote this. He said, Just as poison is sometimes made a medicine for healing and sickness of the body, and it is made the means of health for our souls, the sin and fall of Adam and our sin and fall in Him laid the foundation for the revelation of Christ as our Savior and Redeemer. He says, Do you imagine we could ever have known our blessed Christ as our Savior and Redeemer had not our shame and sin afforded an opportunity for the display of His glory? No. We couldn't have. We'd have gone through that door marked death getting exactly what we deserve. Blind to the truths of God. Let no one misunderstand, folks. I make no excuse for my sins. They're mine. And I'm not proud of it. I'm shamed. They shame me. And I try to turn away from them. We don't make excuses for our sins. We don't attempt by any means to escape from our responsibility of sin or to charge God with it. It says in James 1 verse 13, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth He any man. 
Sin is ours. Salvation is His. But our great God is so infinitely wise, so infinitely gracious, that He turns our greatest misery into our greatest good. And sovereignly overrules our sin to make it an occasion for our eternal blessedness. Isn't that what Romans 8.28 says? We've talked about that before. We've talked about that. Even our stumbling is for our good. Why? Because it brings us back to the Lord Jesus Christ. To a child of God, we see our weakness and ability and our inability to do what we should. Therefore, we look to the One who is able. Does not Romans 8.28 say all things? Jonathan Edwards wrote these words. He says, Divine wisdom has found out a way whereby the sinner might not only escape being miserable, but that he should be happier than before he had known sin. Yea, then he would have been if he had never sinned at all. Folks, by our redemptive work of Christ Jesus the Lord, the sins of God's elect are turned into a means of an accomplishment and accomplishing a greater happiness for all of us. A greater joy. An everlasting glory that we could never have known if we had never known the depth of sin. It says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That doesn't mean that we should go out and sin more to get more grace. That means simply this, that as we go through life and we see the greaterness of our sin, which is great indeed, it magnifies the wonderful grace of Jesus that paid for that great sin. The wonderful blood of our Savior that was laid down and shed for our sakes. It magnifies God's grace is what it's saying. It magnifies the wonderful grace of Jesus. If we had not known sin, then we wouldn't have this wonderful union that we have with Christ right now. Sinful man is brought into a nearer union with God in the person of Christ our substitute. A union that we could never have enjoyed had we not known sin. We have, had we ever sinned, Christ would not have, had we had never sinned, Christ would not have been our surety. I remember a lady got up and walked out of here one time, and I've shared this with several of you many a times. I'm not that kind of a sinner. She grabbed her granddaughter and walked out of the church. Said it where everybody could hear it. I'm not that kind of a sinner. You and I were just like that. Every one of us. I didn't need to go to church on Sundays. I wasn't that bad of a guy. Oh, yes I am. And if you're a child of God who has seen the sinner that you are, you're sitting there shaking your head right now saying, absolutely, that's me. That was me too. But now, we could not have had a union with Christ, but now God has assumed our nature in the person of His Son. Therefore, we are members of His body. As this as assuming our nature, He died in our place. Christ our brother and our husbandman. He who is our brother and our husband is our surety. The one responsible for us. He's like... Uh, he, uh, no, never mind. I don't know that one well enough to, to quote it, so I'll, I'll pass by that. And we are the sons of God with Him. 
Our temporary separation from God by sin has been made the means of our eternal union with God in His Son, the Lord Jesus. Look over at the 17th chapter of John for just a moment. Like I said, Mark Romans chapter 6. We'll come back to that. But turn over to John chapter 17 for just a moment. This is our union. This is talking about our our union with Christ. We wouldn't know this union if we didn't know the sin that was in us. That was within us. In John chapter 17, we read these words beginning at verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their Word. Now that's through those who go out and preach the Word of God. Those who share their experience. Those who share the grace of God in their lives with those around them. That means all of us. Don't we do that with our unsaved loved ones? Our loved ones who still walk in darkness, don't we share with them who our Lord is? My son and my daughter have absolutely no desire to hear anything about the Lord Jesus, but whenever they're around their dad, they will hear that my Savior is the one who's in control of everything. Oh, that's such a bummer about what's going on back there in the White House. Don't worry about it, Brandy. God's got a handle on it. Those people are in that office because God put them there. My son and I, we have conversations about that stuff all the time. Don't, don't worry about it, son. God's still in control. Amen. He always has been. He always will be. Folks, we are all witnesses to those that the Lord crosses our path with. That's what that's talking about. You never know how the Lord might use what you say to somebody you love to bring them to a church where they'll hear the Gospel preached for the first time. How often has our Lord called somebody out of the darkness they walked in just for showing up to a, a funeral? Pastor Gene has shared with us a couple of different times where somebody at a funeral has come away afterwards and saying, you know, I've never heard that before. That's exactly what Scripture says. You're right. The Gospel of Christ is free. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe sin had left a crimson stain. Oh, my Lord has paid it all. Back in John chapter 17, again, that they, will, that they all may be one, it says in verse 21, that they may be all one as Thou, Father, Art in me, and I in thee. This is that personal union that we have we would have never known about. We would have never known it existed if it hadn't have been the fact that we were shown the sinners that we are, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they may that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I gave them that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. This is the union. Do you see the wondrous grace of Christ in revealing what we used to walk in? Revealing the dark, deep pit that we were all born into, the pit of sin, without, without knowing what we were, we would have not seen the glory 
and the knowledge of who God is. Saved sinners by reason of our sin have greater and fuller knowledge of God. We have greater knowledge, greater and fully knowledge of His glory. Greater and fully fuller knowledge of His grace, His justice, His holiness, His love. Greater than we could ever have possessed had we never sinned. We see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, our dying substitute. And we see the glory of God in His death. The death that we have to love of God, that God commended towards us. This will be our theme in heavenly places forever and ever. Revelation verse 1, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father, to him, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Think about it. This, think about this next piece, this next point. If you didn't know the depth of your depravity before the Lord gave you life, if you had no idea the depth of your sin, could you ever know the magnitude of His love for you? Could you ever know what it means? that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son? Could you know the depth of that? If you didn't know the depth of your sin? You see where Paul's going with all this? God be thanked. There was a time I served the evilness, the wickedness that was in my flesh that I served sin, but thank you God that I no longer serve that. I serve my Savior now. I serve Him not as good as I'd like to. In fact, not even a speck of what I'd like to. But I serve Him. Not that sin that used to reign in this body. Those of you who have been called out of darkness, tell me this hasn't happened to you once or twice. You know, I used to do that all the time. Now, I'm just saying, you're thinking to yourself. You're thinking to yourself. You know, I, I used to do that all the time. I, you know what? That would not be pleasing to my Lord. Turn away and walk away from it. Have you ever done that? Have you done that since the Lord's called you out of darkness? I have. Maybe only twice, but still. There was never a time before the Lord called me out of darkness that I did that. Was there ever a time for you? Oh, we thought maybe. No. Aren't you thankful the Lord has shown you that? <laughs> You're laughing over there because it makes you happy. That's right. I did do that once before. I did act like that once before. Thank God I don't anymore. I cry out for mercy. Guess what? God is merciful to us, isn't He? He shines the light of His Son in our hearts and shows us that it's Him that we need to look to. It's Him that saved us. It's Him that shed His blood for us on that cross. It's Him that paid that price that we owe God. It's Him that took our wrath. The wrath that we have earned 
and deserved has been laid upon Him. And He took it perfectly. Making us perfect in His sight. If we had never known sin, could we have ever known the depth of God's love? Why don't you turn over to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. I want to read some several verses. If we had not known sin, we would have not known the great love that God has for His people. The great forgiveness that He gives to each and every one of us. Are you in 1 Corinthians? Look at chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look with me at verses 26 through 31. And we're going to go through several verses here, so uh, try to keep up. If you can, I'll try not to go too fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 26, we read these words For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many mobile are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to not things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him, of God, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us Wisdom. We're talking. We're talking about the wonders of the Lord showing us our sin, that He might show us His grace and the great love that He has for for us. God has made unto us this Lord and Savior Christ Jesus wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. True child of God turns away from the glory of this flesh. We have no confidence in this flesh. We give our Lord and Savior glory for everything we can. Do we do it perfectly? No. But we rely on His perfection. Look over at chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If we had not had the sin, our natural sin revealed in its totality to us, we could have not known the love of God for us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11. through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You know why it doesn't say all of you? You could probably go through that list and say, I've never done that. But I think the Lord's list here is pretty thorough. You've done something in that list. <laughs> Such were some of you. But. 
Don't you love that God stuff? But God. That just shows you He's in charge. He's sovereign over everything. But God. Nothing's going to stop His hand. Nothing's going to turn His way. That's our peace. That's the peace we grow in as we go about this life learning more about Jesus. Growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior. That's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, last verse. I know that only because we read it this morning. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're in chapter 6. Look over verses 19 and 20. What? Paul says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians if you would and look at chapter 5 with me. We'll look at two more sections of verses and then I'll bring this to a close. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Could we know the depth of our Lord's love for us if we didn't know the depth that He went to to pay that price for us? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14, we read these words, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, and if one died for all, then all were dead. Then we're all dead. And that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him which died for them and rose again. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 again. Let's look at verse 16 through 21. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know Him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. That's the same thing as saying, once you were blind, now you see. We were blind to what sin was before, but now we see it clearly. God be thanked we can see it clearly because we see the grace of God even more clear. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled unto us, reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, now, with all that in mind, Today, as we walk in the path that God has put before us, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for He hath made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Folks, if it wasn't for sin, if it wasn't for the fact that God had shown us what we were, could we have in faith, true faith, in who God is? 
Fallen man, saved by grace, have a greater, more sensible dependence upon God than he could otherwise have had. That lady had no sense. She had no sense about God as, as her Savior. She thought to herself, I don't need your God. I'm not that bad of a sinner. It's exactly what I said a moment ago. Forty years, John walked this earth. I don't need God. Son, will you come to church? Will you come to Mom? What do you want for What do you want for your birthday? Would you come to church with me this week? Mom, I do that on Mother's Day. Don't worry about me. I've got my own relationship with God. I don't need Him all the time. That's what I said. If I didn't know my sin, would my faith, would it be true faith in Him? Do you know that God is glorified in you and I as we are dependent upon Him? How often have I shared this with you? You're going down the road and the lights start turning red on you. Oh, I just want to get over to McDonald's and get some nuggets. Please, I'm hungry. Before God saved you, did you ever stop and think, maybe the Lord's keeping me from running into something? Did you ever think that? I never did. If it wasn't for the Lord showing me my deplority, deplorableness, whatever you want to say there. I don't think I said the right word, but I think you got the idea. If He hadn't shown me my weakness, then I wouldn't be looking to Him as my strength. It glorifies our Lord when we know in our hearts and recognize in our hearts that He is Lord of all things. That's giving God the glory even over the red lights. That's giving God the glory. Did you ever notice that in Genesis 2.17, the forbidden fruit to eat was called the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Oh, how are you going to know good if you don't know evil? God is the one who planted that tree in the midst of the garden, isn't He? Did He not plant it Knowing, did he not plant it knowing Adam was going to eat of it? In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Not if, but in that day. That day's coming, Adam. That day's going to be here. And when you eat of it, you're going to die. God be thanked. God be thanked for showing me what I was because in showing me what I was He is showing me now what I am. I'm a child of the Most High. I'm saved by His grace. Folks, you can walk in joy. Walk with a smile on your face. Understanding this, that our Savior has taken all of our sins upon Himself. In our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, we are perfected in Him. Back in our text, back in John chapter 6, verse 17. Yeah, sorry, Romans chapter 6. 
I have made a mistake. We're going to actually read one more after this. But read with me through 23. Let's read our text in verse 17 and continue right through to verse 23. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that form of teaching, the teaching of the gospel, the preaching of God's truths, that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Paul goes on to say, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of our flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things thereof? that ye are are now ashamed of. For the end of those things is death. But how being made free from sin and become servants... I'm sorry, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and to the end of everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look over at verse 20 of chapter 5. Moreover, the law entered that the offense man might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If we had not been shown the depth of our sin, could we trust Christ? You see, Christ, faith in Christ is the obedience that Paul speaks of in the 17th verse. I ask you, will you obey that form of doctrine? Will you set before you in the Gospel trusting Christ alone to be saved? Or will you go on trusting your own good works? Your own self-righteousness? Or your will until you find yourself forever damned in hell? Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 36 through 50, and then we'll bring this to a close. Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, desired our Lord, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Verse 38, And stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them away with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he, when the Pharisees spoke, he spoke within himself. That means he thought it. He didn't actually say it. He thought it. This man, if he were a prophet, thinking of Christ, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Listen to the Lord's response. Verse 40, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Telling, Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? We're talking about self-righteousness and sinners. 
This Pharisee was going about on his good works. He was approaching God on his good works. He knew he owed God something, he just didn't know how much. That girl, that woman who was a sinner, knew how much she owed God. She knew she had nothing. So she gave Him everything she had. Simon answered, verse 43, and said, I suppose that He to whom He forgave most, He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to, but to whom little is forgiven. The same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. I want to ask you one last question. Have you any sin in your life? Do you seek a Savior? Come to the One who saves. Come to Christ Jesus and believe on the true and living God, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen.